0: welcome to the teach the geek podcast where engineer and author neil thompson talks with stem professionals about public speaking a struggle
1: for many of us whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one you can always pick up tips on how to improve here's your host neil thompson hello everyone welcome to another episode of teach the geek interviews my name is neil thompson I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering of the platform is a public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. To learn more about it, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that is teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Jenny Sivy. And apart from her job at Johnson Controls, she's a speaker who's very passionate about STEM, especially talking to kids about it, which I I really appreciate too, since I'm, I'm passionate about that as well. I'm interested to speak more to her about her own journey in STEM, the message she wants to leave kids with, and why she speaks to kids in the first place. Welcome to Teach the Geek interviews, Jenny.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: Wonderful. So I saw that you have a degree in physics. Where did that interest in physics come from?
0: That actually came from my father. Um, My father had a degree in physics. He worked as an electrical engineer his whole life. I just always thought I would follow in his footsteps, and I didn't work as an electrical engineer, but I did go and get my degree in physics. Um, I also had a great physics teacher in high school, and I think that makes so much difference. Like, we did fun stuff, he made it real. I I remember the, he always said physics is fun, P-H-U-N, right? Um, (laughs) And he was actually the first question on our first test with him ever was uh, multiple choice. Physics is, you know, A, fun, spelled with an F-B, fun spelled P-H-U-N, you know, and, but that's really what he made you feel like you liked it. We did a class trip to Six Flags where we took all these tools and we measured forces on roller coasters and stuff. I mean, like that, that really got me hooked in physics.
1: Yes, because that's what you want to be doing when you go to Six Flags, measuring yes. horses. <laughs> yes,
0: you know, and then there are other kids just who were at Six Flags for fun. Yeah. Trying to figure out what we were doing with like instruments. We were doing the little spindle top thing where you go round and round, and we're throwing a ball and, you, you know, you knew it wasn't going to go to the person in front of you. But the person sitting like whatever to the side of you didn't quite know it was coming at them.
1: It was fun. Yeah, fun. F F U N for the other kids. P H U N for you guys. That's I guess. Exactly right. <laughs> That's funny. That's weird. Okay. So you know, I, I mentioned in the in the intro that you get you work at Johnson Controls. What, what what's your the work that you do there?
0: So I'm over software marketing and data for one of our divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of this weird mix of things but it's actually kind of the intersection of the things that I really like so I I got lucky enough to kind of work myself into this position Um, I'm a product person at heart I started as an application engineer I did that for many years and I was in marketing for many years I was a product manager for probably 11 of those years Um, and I did like I said marketing and also sales and I kind of like how they all come together and so i the job i do it allows me to kind of take the data the sales data and all the stuff visualize it help the sales managers be able to look at the data and you know make something out of it because when you've got just a bunch of different products you make it's hard to know you know what's selling what's this what's the trend and that so i kind of get to put that together i use my marketing side to make that visual and then we have software tools as well so i i kind of got this job that's just like the intersection of the venn diagram of the things i like to do Wonderful.
1: And I know you you said you you started off in engineering where making those transitions to those other fields difficult because I I get the sense that oftentimes companies want to keep engineers, engineers and, and, you know, marketing marketers and, you know, that type of thing.
0: You know, I think in general, and maybe this is like kind of a stereotype, but, you know, marketing people are the creative people or the data people are data scientists and the the engineers are the engineers. I think most companies would love to be able to find more people who liked a little bit of each. I mean, you know, I think about our engineers. We can find an engineer who likes to present and to get in front of people and talk and get excited about our product. We would love that. But a lot of times the engineers want to sit at their desk and they don't want to be in front of the customers and talking Um, and you know selling and so I think that for me it kind of just fit the things I like and so the transition wasn't hard you know it started with I here's a product you're in charge of we need to get it launched and so I kind of put the launch package together and then you kind of you know that kind of moves you into marketing which moves you into how do you sell it well I should go out and tell people why it's good because it's my product so that was my transition through it but I think that we would love, I think most companies would tell you they would love to find engineers who actually want to do some of those other things as well.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate that not as many engineers as as we would like would relish those type of roles. I, I mean, even for myself, I worked as an engineer myself and and I didn't want to do any kind of public speaking either. I only had to do it when I was forced to do it. <laughs> and then yeah. it was like, okay, well, I guess... I better get good at this because I got to do this every month. I had to give project status updates in front of management. And those first few presentations I had to give were absolutely horrendous. And (laughs) I knew I had to get better at it because I didn't want to look like a fool every time I had to give a presentation in front of the CEO. So (laughs) that was kind of my my motivation.
0: (laughs) And I see that in our engineers, right, when they have to give a presentation. I mean, it's it's one of the number one fears people have. So it's understandable But and I think sometimes you have to help them do it because we actually brought in Toastmasters for a while to help the people who wanted to do it, but didn't feel comfortable with it. And I think that's helped them a lot to just, you just have to do more presentations usually is the way to get better at presentations.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and not only that, but at least from the experience that I've had, the people that tend to move up in organizations are the ones that are the better communicators. And you know, if you're not one of those people, it's really difficult to then hear you complain that you're not getting to where you want to go well, well that's your fault possibly, you know <laughs> so when it comes to i guess you're the i know you've been at, at that company for a bit and you're doing a job that you really enjoy what would your next role what would your next role have to include for you to be happy about it
0: i i i just moved into well, i didn't just move into this role i've done it for a, a division of the division i'm in And so I've just moved into the bigger division. So there's a bunch of brands I haven't even gotten to really get my hands in and kind of learn more. So that's really what I'm doing now is to understand all the different parts of the product line. Um, I understand it generally, but not enough where I could maybe explain it to someone. And I think that's kind of the, the, you know, that's like the mark of being able to understand something is that you can explain it to someone in a fairly simple terms. So I'm trying to learn all the products to that level. Um, and so there's a, lot, there's a lot to do. In our division, we actually have independent brands, so they're not labeled Johnson Controls, and there's dozens of them. So there, there's a lot of opportunity. They're all over the board as far as how much time they spend with marketing software and all these things I do. So there's a lot of opportunity here uh, in, in just the brands I have right now. So
1: That's wonderful. So you know, I also mentioned in the intro that you're real keen on speaking to kids about STEM. Why kids?
0: You know, I think that, I mean, that's where it starts, right? You got to get kids interested in it. I know a lot of companies focus, uh, and so does Johnson Controls, focus on colleges and trying to recruit students and all that. But we had this meeting where we we're talking about recruiting people and, and women and getting engineers. And someone asked, well, do we have a lot of women engineers who leave? And I was like, well, you kind of have to hire them first. And I didn't mean it like, <laughs> honestly, right? it's not that we are not hiring the women engineers. They're not applying. Right. You know, if, if we get, I don't know the exact number, say 20 resumes for a position and two of them are women, I mean, that that's kind of normal. And so, you know, for me, it was like, you know, where where does it start? So we know that there aren't as many women in engineering as or getting degrees in engineering as men. Um, I think we have this belief that it 's getting better, but it 's actually not i mean it 's dropping by about a point or two. There was a study that uh, looked at engineers in two thousand and fourteen versus two thousand and four and everything computer science, mechanical engineering, all of the degrees they were like one or two points less in two thousand and fourteen than two thousand and four and we spent so much time that 's all you hear about is you know getting women into stem and I think it 's because we 're not starting early enough you know if you 're talking to a high school student. It may be too late. We may have already lost 30% of the women who would have wanted to do it. And so I think you need to start early. You gotta get them interested in it and you have to relate it to them. And I have to tell you, you know, we're talking about presenting, talking to kids. The first time I spoke to a classroom was terrifying to me. I was like, I've never spoken to children. I've done hundreds of presentations on my product in my industry, but I was like, these are kids. I had no idea what you say to kids. Um, But I think that once you figure out how to connect to them and get them to really understand like science is everywhere, engineering is everywhere, like suddenly their eyes are open. They're just like, wow, that's science or I'm doing science. And they didn't realize that they were actually doing these things.
1: Yeah, for sure. What age range do you tend to speak to?
0: I have, so I've been talking to um, kids in school. So I think third grade was the youngest, although my niece is school and she's in preschool. She's like four wanted me to come. And it happened to be like last week. So obviously I didn't get to go do that, but that was really scary to me. I'm like, what do I say to a four year old about science, right? Um, So from there through high school is where I I spend most of my time. And I I do work with the um, University of Texas at Dallas here. I've just started doing some work and I'm trying to get more involved with the the college students. But I really want to get the younger kids just interested in it and understand that it's everywhere and and it's fun.
1: Yeah. So the the main reason that I really want to speak to you today, Jenny, is we have that interest. We both have that interest in in talking to kids about STEM. I actually wrote a a children's book about it. And the, the reason I wrote my book was to increase the number of kids to at least consider careers in STEM. Because I fully agree with you. The the earlier you get them, the better. And not only that, the the earlier you get them, the less likely they are to deviate from that path if it gets difficult. I, mean, I fully believe I fully believe what you said. When high school's too late, you know, by that time people are pretty much formed that you know science, physics, or you know chemistry is that's not for me. I mean, when you said you when I saw you studied physics, like I I don't think I know a woman. I think I know one other woman that studied physics. She actually has a, a PhD in physics. But other than that, I don't know too many women that went and did physics. Because I, I, I don't know why. It's just it just it's not too many women that do physics. But if you were taught, you know, as a young kid, you know, physics can be for you too. It's not just for, you know, like you know, just for guys, you know. And, and you can do it. And it's, it's not it's not as big a deal. But if you get up to, you know, ninth, tenth grade, I mean, and then you haven't been told that, and you want to be told that now, I mean, that's going to be a hard a message to get through to, a, you know, a ninth or tenth grader.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, I think her name is Carol Dweck. She did the um, growth mindset um, and the fixed mindset work. It it goes back a little while, but I remember reading something about it. And they were talking about, I think it was like middle school kids. And they found that the way people talk to the kids changes. And it had something to do with like girls' Go through education everything's easier for them early on when they're young and so they're told you're good at that you're good at that you're really good at this and that and then as the boys have a harder time they're told well you need to try a little harder you can do it and that mentality goes through their life so by the time they get to like eighth grade the girls are like i guess i'm not good at this because they they've been told it's like this innate thing they have where the boys have been told we'll just try harder. And I think it's interesting because I look back at my parents and I was always told to try harder, right? I grew up in the family where you got a 99 on the test, where'd that other point go? You know, I mean, I was always told to try harder. And I think it sets that in you where you're like, well, I guess I just have to study harder, not I'm not good at this. And so that's, I find that, and people aren't doing it on purpose. It's just kind of this thing we do. And I catch myself sometime with my nieces and nephew where I'm like, oh, you, know, you start to go like, well, not everybody's good at everything. And you're like, no, wait, you should just try harder. You know, you may not be the best, but you could definitely get better. And if you enjoy it, you should just try for it.
1: Interesting. I wonder if the, the reason for that is, I, I don't, from, the, from what I've read and heard, I guess with, with girls, it's really big on, the people are really big, or society, I guess, is really big on building up their self-esteem. Which is why I guess early on, or just going throughout life, maybe we're, we're, we're told, or I don't know, if condition is the right word, but yeah, maybe condition to tell girls, you know, you're doing great, keep going, you're doing well. <laughs> but I guess with the boys, you're a little more. I guess you could be more realistic with them. It's like, nah, you're screwing up. You need to get better at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. So I guess maybe the the, the 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 solution to that is to tell. Even you know girls when they're young, yeah, you can get better at this too. They're, you know that's that's gonna help you. So when you, when things get hard, you're not gonna think, well, I'm not good at this, so I'm just gonna focus on the things I'm really good at already.
0: Yeah, I, I never thought of it that way, but I could see that. I mean, I, my mom is Asian. We didn't grow up with a lot of your good. They're like, you need to try harder. That was just always the thing in my household. Why, why didn't you get the, you know, where's that extra point? What was the <laughs> highest score? Why wasn't that you? You know, you know, growing up, I didn't love that so much. But, you yeah. know, in Harvard, I think right, that's, that's probably why I push myself like I do, because that's how I grew up. Yeah. And I think it, it did instill confidence in me, right? It, it, it taught me that I can... Go try harder and do something and you know, achieve that thing. And then so when I achieve things, that's that, you know, I remember even today when I'm messing around with data or something, I can't get the graph to do what I want to do, but you know, I mess with it and when I'm done, I'm like, this is the greatest thing. I wanna go tell people, I I got this graph to work and like no one cares but me. But you are know, like, it's <laughs> really cool.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny when you mentioned, you know, your mother being Asian and, and pushing you, I guess, in education. That's like that's not a whole, I guess, tiger mom thing, right?
0: I I mean, probably it was Tiger Mom before Tiger Mom was. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I actually I have a a LinkedIn connection, and she she's Asian as well, and she, she talks a lot about about I guess the detrimental effects of that whole Tiger Mom kind of way of being. You're always kind of striving, and you never kind of get get there, and you kind of feel like you, well, I. Like like not that something's wrong but it's just like it, it's never enough kind of thing and but 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 she says she at least in her community, she's trying to change that, but I mean on the same token, it also it sets you up to to strive to always do well and not be complacent with just you know what it is now, you're always trying to get better at things, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. maybe it's just the way people go about it, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I had a good balance between, you know, the, the tiger mom thing and the support. I mean, I don't know that we weren't, you know, I didn't grow up in the everyone's a winner years, right? So <laughs> my, parents, my parents were definitely like, you didn't do very good at that thing. Try harder. Right. <laughs> um, but it, it was a good balance for me, at least for me and my family. So I think that, you know, that kind of that that's probably why I push myself the way I do today, and then. But I also can be like, you know, what? I'm never going to be good at, you know, gymnastics or something. I don't, you know, like like I don't have the time to put into some things. And you know, you pick the things you want to do, and you work harder at those.
1: Yeah, for sure. No participation trophies in your house. I, I get that. <laughs> so you know. Obviously, you know, you, you said that you, you, you like to speak to kids about at least considering getting into STEM careers and, and the importance of STEM, especially for the future. I mean, we're in we're, we're all stuck in the house right now. It would be real nice if there were more people working on this cure or the vaccine for COVID-19. That's for sure. But when it comes to public speaking, has that been something you've always been good at? And if not, what have you done to get better at it?
0: You know, I, when I growing up as a child, I I hated it. Like if I had to raise my hand in class or stand in front of class, that was like terrifying. And it really was something that I didn't like for a long time. And my first job out of school, I was in semiconductors. And we had to just present to everyone, you know, like quarterly. And so they did a class and I can't remember who did this. I wish I could find this company because I thought it was excellent. Where we did, it was a two day class and we did, it was something like 30 presentations of some sort, right? It started with 30 seconds about yourself and you had to stand in front of the class and tell about yourself. You know, we drew words out of a hat and had to do a minute on that thing. And I remember the word I got was cannonball. And I was like, <laughs> I know nothing about cannonballs. And so I talked for a minute on like Wiley e. Coyote. But <laughs> like the whole thing was like that. It was literally the first first thing the second day was, gripe about your drive-in this morning you know and so you just did a lot of presenting and at the end of it you're like okay you know this is this isn't really that bad I, I can get up in front of people and talk about something and I think being prepared knowing your topic is very is probably the most important part of it once you're comfortable with that then you just have to kind of get up there and and present and do it more often and get and that's how you get better at it so after that class I feel like I got much better at it and then Throughout the years, I've done a lot of present product presentations in my industry. So those those are kind of, you know, second nature to me. But as I started talking about STEM, especially with kids, I really, like I said, talk, my first time I talked to this third grade class, I was like, these are kids. I don't know. I can't believe I signed up to talk to kids. <laughs> um you know, what are the, you know, kid, there's so much going on with kids, you, you have to reach at their level, you have to connect to them. But especially if you get into like junior high kids, they're like too cool for a lot of things, right? So they might be interested, but they're not going to show it. And it's hard as a speaker to not get feedback. You're like, so, you know, is, is this going with anyone? Is anyone getting this? Um, And I think I've just gotten better at it. I also, like, I love TED Talks. I think everyone loves TED Talks. But as I started watching them, I started realizing, like, the idea of just having PowerPoints of a lot of words, like, no one wants to see that anymore. And so it's important to connect to them, tell a story, figure out what your story is. And so when I talk with kids, I have kind of a set presentation, if you will, that I do. But it has to be different because the third grader is different from the eighth grader. And so I try to connect to what they think, what they like, what's interesting to them. So you know the third graders were so much easier because everything's interesting to them at that age.
1: Yeah. You know what? It's funny you mentioned that. So, yeah. So, I, you know, with my children's book, I've done some readings in, in classes and, and you're, you're absolutely right. When it comes to that kind of thing, it's much easier to talk about my book in front of younger kids than older ones. So, <laughs> the like those eighth graders. Oh my God, you're you're absolutely right. They're just like they're just they're just sitting there and they, they have these blank stares in their faces, and, so, and you're just wondering what are these what are these kids thinking? But you're right, yeah. They're too they're too cool for yeah, they're, You're right. They're too cool for school. They're cool. are too cool for anything. It's like anybody that's <laughs> over anybody that's over like twenty five is like a fossil. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like you're thirteen, you know nothing. <laughs> And you think you know everything, Oh but, but yeah, but you go you're a little younger. They they haven't gotten they haven't gotten there yet, so they're actually still kind of interested in in what you're talking about. And and really, that's kind of the the age that you want to at least. You know, I I think that you should be reaching these kids anyway to, to kind of foster that that interest in in STEM. When it comes to putting presentations together, do you have a process for that? And if so, what is it?
0: I do. I usually. I mean, I do things in PowerPoint, but I I usually kind of lay out an order. It's it's basically an outline, but I'm throwing them on slides. So this slide will go before that slide. It allows me to like move them around. But I actually, I didn't used to do this, but the last couple of years, I've started scripting it, not to memorize or, you know, like I'm not saying the script so much as that's my workflow to get my head around how I want to say things how do I transition from this to that? What's the story I can tell to get this group, you know, that that needs to go in here. So I usually do scripted and it's scripted like how I speak. So it, I just kind of like work through the talk and even the intro, I kind of work through the whole thing. And then I highlight sections that are going to be the areas where I need to transition from this to this. I need to tell a story to make sure they grasp that concept. And then and so I go over that in my head a lot and then I write it down. I think for me, or type it, um, for me, the process of putting in writing is actually what makes me remember the flow. I want to go in, but also kind of has that structure there for me. And so I've started doing that. So I have scripts for all sorts of things, how I want to talk through it, what points I want to hit. And then, you know, and then I don't say those things in that order as a script, but it, it, that's really how I work through things, but then I have it with me, but I can also turn it over to other people. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is what, if it's a product presentation, this is what that's all about. And here's, here's exactly what I was going to say about it. Um, I do that. And then I I try to rehearse at least in my head a lot, you know, I want to make sure I cover these topics or I want to hit on this thing. Um, Because again, knowing your topic is, is probably the most important thing. You don't want to get up there and be like, I've never spoken about this thing before. I, you know, I wish I had read on this before I got here. And I've heard people say that. And you're like, no, the, the audience doesn't know that. You don't have to tell them that. Oh,
1: man, what kind of fool would ever tell, tell <laughs> it to <laughs> people? Okay. I mean, it's hard enough getting people's attention as it is. Now, now you're up in front of us and you don't know what you're talking about? Yeah, I'm definitely going <laughs> on my phone and checking my emails now. <laughs> that's, that's nuts. So when it comes to public speaking, do you ever get nervous? And if so, how do you deal with your nerves?
0: Yeah, I, in my head, I don't think of as nervous. It's more like I get wired and I speak fast anyway. So if I'm like super wired, it comes out really fast. And I have to be like, I need to just breathe and slow down. Uh, One thing I've learned is you can stop and not say things. You can just pause. We used to do a thing like every time we would do a presentation class for our engineers or, you know, whoever we would, um, we would do, um, counts, right? Lots of people go, um, 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 and so, you, and that's how I lost my, um, because I was like, Oh, if you start counting this thing, that thing will go away pretty quick. Uh, oh, I just did it. <laughs> now it's like in my head, uh, but I've found that you can just stop. Like, it's okay to pause, think about something and then say it. And I think a lot of people don't think that you can do that. Like they just think you need to be talking and all that. Or when people ask you questions you don't know the answer to, I tell people all the time, you could say, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to it. I'll find out and get back to you. That's perfectly acceptable. For some reason, people, you know, if they don't know the answer, they kind of freak out. I'm supposed to know the answer. I'm the one standing up here. But you don't. It's okay. And the audience respects that.
1: You know what? You're absolutely right about that. I mean, it's better to say you don't know as opposed to make up an answer. (laughs) Exactly. And you're absolutely right about the ums. You mentioned that at your job there was a Toastmasters group. And in Toastmasters, ums are really important to get rid of, or at least to minimize. In fact, at some clubs, they actually have a clicker. And every time you say um, they click. So <laughs> if you're one of those people that says um a lot, you're gonna get a lot of clicks and eventually you're gonna think, man, I'm tired of these damn clicks. I'm trying to get rid of all these ums.
0: Exactly. You're
1: absolutely right. A lot of people, and also, there's some people that are annoyed by ums too. And you're, you're absolutely right. It's more than fine. To just pause and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with silence silence is golden it's, it's, it's there's no problem with that but yeah I, I fully agree with you on being silent and then also not saying you know something when you don't it's, it's more than fine to say to say yeah you know, I, I don't know but I'll find out okay good <laughs> so I know you offered a, a bunch of tips on, on getting better at, at public speaking yeah, there's the not being fine with pausing trying to eliminate your ums rehearsing. Do you have any other tips that you could offer to help people that wanna get better at public speaking?
0: Yeah, I don't know this is a public speaking one so much, but slides, slides are the thing that drive me nuts. Most of my slides are images or maybe a sentence or two. I try to keep lots and lots of bullets out. That's the thing that probably drives me most nuts now is when I see his presentation and like all your words are up there I, like, just give me the presentation then. I, like, <laughs> I I, I, that does drive me nuts. Because then you think you need to read it, but maybe they go past it and you're like, well, I don't know what he's talking about. Know? Words on slides drive me nuts. People, when people hand me their presentation, they're like, what do you think about this? I'm like, all these words are gone. Here's some pictures. And then they're like, what'd you do to my presentation? I it <laughs> so I'm like, no, what you need to do is figure out your presentation and not read your slides
1: yeah absolutely you know what jenny we are of, of the same mind on that one when it comes to slides i i'm a big fan so i, I just did a webinar let's see today's went uh, it's a couple days ago and when i i sent the slides to the the people i was doing the webinar with they they, they got back to me and was like where are the words are <laughs> no the words. it's all it's all pictures <laughs> because people just a lot of people they're, they're not used to that they're used to seeing a whole bunch of text on the slides, and what I, you're absolutely right. People could just read the slides. Why did I come here? You exactly. can just the slides. Why are you wasting my time? At this point, it's, it's public reading, not public speaking. You know, it, it, it's, and pictures say a thousand words. And another thing I, I like to, to harp on when it comes to that is you're eliminating the option for people to read. Either they're going to pay attention to what you're saying or they're going to ignore you. It's, it's one of the two. You're eliminating that option to, to read the slides. And exactly. frankly, when people read, they're not listening to you anyway. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a firm believer in, in what you're what you're talking about when it comes to the slides. So what that so basically marks the, the the end of of the interview. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about things that you're working on?
0: No, like I said, we've been talking about getting STEM to kids, and so maybe as we can start going back out into the world again. You know, that's the one thing I'm really trying to do is is get with kids, but also maybe get in front of teachers. That's something I'm looking at because you know a lot of science teachers don't have science degrees and so they're just teaching a, t- a topic and there's probably a wide range of whether they're doing good or not at it but in general if you don't have the passion for this subject it's hard to relate make it relatable to the kids you're teaching and i think that's one thing that i would love to do is be able to work with teachers and say you know you're teaching this topic but how are you making it relatable? Like when I talked to the the third graders, I was like engineering's everywhere. Like your chair has engineering, right? There's a structural engineer that decides that that tube will hold you up when you sit on it. You know, and they look at their chairs and I talk about, you know, engineering's everywhere. So like, and maybe this, uh, you know, for like the girls in the class, like you like lotion, you know, lotion is chemistry, right? So to be able to teach the teachers to relate it to the kids and things that are every day I think is something especially if the teacher is not does not have a science background it is something i really want to move forward with because again you, you've got to get to the kids you have got to get them young and get them interested and understand it's everywhere and it's not that hard and they can do it and so who better for that than to have the teachers do it
1: absolutely how can people get in touch with you jenny
0: so through linkedin for sure um jenny civy on linkedin um, I'm actually Jenny Sivvy on pretty much all social media, so you can find me on Twitter or, or Instagram or anywhere. And I also have a blog at Jenny Geeks Out, which might be a little easier to remember. Um, they can contact me through there as well.
1: Wonderful. Jenny Geeks Out. That's all. Everybody that marks the end of another episode of Teach the Geek interviews, my name is Neil Thompson, the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering of the platform is a public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. To learn more about it, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Jenny.
0: Thank you.